Okay, welcome everyone. <clears throat> a couple of, uh, uh, <clears throat> of things. It is Memorial Day weekend. It's the uh, traditional kickoff of, of summer, if you will. But it's more important than that. It's to remember those who have laid down their lives for our freedoms and for our liberties, for the things that God has granted. Ultimately, that's what it all comes back to. And so we're going to spend some time doing that. Um, thinking about Memorial Day and, and all these things, but our sole focus is always Christ. And today is also another, it's a special Memorial Day, because I don't remember another one happening quite like this. It's also the day of Pentecost. It is uh, it's a day in, uh, back in history and in, in Acts where, where the church became alive, if you will. And it's an amazing thing. So I want to focus on those two things in light of where we're at in, in our uh, calendar, and, um, and remember those things that, uh, that uh, took place. It is a day of memorial. It's a day of remembrance. Um, many, many Americans have given their lives so that we can be here. In spite of what Facebook or anybody else says, they fought for our freedoms. They've given their lives. Some have paid with their lives. And they've done so freely. And it is a uh, kind of a, um, <clears throat> it is a picture of the bigger price that was paid. Someone who willingly gave their life. Um, unlike him, these military people, men and women who have given their lives, did so going in knowing that they, this might be the case. But unlike Jesus, they were guilty, just like we all are. They have the guilt stain of sin upon them, just like we all do. And uh, so it's not to um, say that you know, any of them were worse off than any of us or anything like that. It's just we remember and we should be thankful for those who have given their lives. Uh, and I know in the past I've seen uh, um, <clears throat> a uh, video of a, of a 90, I think he was 98 years old. He fought in the Second World War. And he was heartbroken in the midst of this crowd, and somebody happened to notice as he was wearing his old uniform, and he's just heartbroken and weeping and crying out and just saying, this is not what I fought for. This is not what people that I knew that fought alongside of me gave their life for. This is not what they did this for. So that you can come out here and just parade your pride all around. It's not about that. And it's something that we need to remember and be thankful for. So remember those, those family members who have military people and remember those, those people who have given their, um, <clears throat> their all and their family members are left behind, knowing that this might be the, the case. Uh, listening to another story of, a, of a, um, another veteran who lived through it all and saw some horror, horrific and awful things, but... He was, uh, he just graduated with uh, one of his classes, I think it was this year. Imagine that, he just, he just got his diploma, because when he had graduated, the draft took him away before he could go through that celebration. And what a wonder that he, he just didn't even think about it, and then somebody found the records, and they said, hey, this guy's, he's never gone through, and he's still alive, we should invite him, and he did, and it was amazing. And... Um, he, he paid a price as well. 
He saw people die and people give their lives. And so Memorial Day is about that. But I think the biggest memorial that we should remember is the one memorial. The one that we'll celebrate next week and commemorate in communion. The, the one that gave his life freely for us. The one who, who matters. Um, the military, those who are the service members who are there, they, they have afforded us some freedoms and some liberty. Um, and that freedom and liberty is going to cost us at some point in time. It just will. I mean, we saw that uh, example just, you know, yesterday or today. And so um, when we speak truth to people who hate the truth, it, it sounds like hate. And when we speak biblical truth, doubly so. And this is just the way that things are going to go. They're going to unravel this way, and we just have to get used to that. Um, we're not to... Uh, um, back down. We're not to peddle away. Um, I think it's time for the church to do just the opposite of that. We've been doing that for too long. We've been too nice. And we're not called to be nice. We're called to be kind, but we're not called to be nice. And so we have to remember that, that, uh, that we're going to go forward and we're going to continue on and we're going to keep preaching truth and we're going to meet people in the streets and in the store and in the, our workplaces and everywhere we go and we're going to share with as many of them as we can the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a holiday for most. Um, most people are already planning their barbecues and they're going to go buy their mattresses and they're going to go, you know, have their family things and they're up hiking and they're out camping and they're doing all that stuff but it means so much more it's it's such a deeper meaning and and it's one thing that we should remember um and and really we should take some time to to um remember them so i want to ask that we um have a, a a moment of silence for the for the lost service members who've given their lives and that we would remember them pray for their families real um, as we do that in, uh, in memorial to them. And that's what this day and tomorrow is really all about. It's about remembering them and uh, thanking them. But it's also to remember our loved ones who've, who've passed. And uh, I'm, I'm envious of my, uh, my sisters, my mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa. They were all Christians. They all knew Jesus. They're living large. We're here struggling. You know, they're in His presence and I'm not in that sense. In another sense, yes, but not in that way yet. But um, it's also time to remember them. And, and in, in my case, uh, I want to publicly just thank God for a godly mom and dad who, who raised me um, to the best of their abilities with their limited knowledge and understanding of, of scriptural things. They raised me to fear the Lord. I remember as a, as a kid... Um, when other, killed, uh, other kids in junior high and stuff were messing around with the Ouija boards and all that stuff, there was a fear of God, and I'm like, I ain't messing with that. That's stupid. That's dumb. Why would you, why you do that? Why are you messing with the devil like that? It doesn't make sense. Because I knew, because that had been instilled in me, and so I'm praising God and thanking them, so I remember them as well. And so as we do that... <clears throat> I believe the greatest uh, that we are in a country that has been blessed, without a doubt. Um, historians look at America and they're like, there's never been a country like this. And there hasn't. Um, we are, I believe, the greatest country in the world that God has ever given. 
And it's a God-given thing, and that's why it has been so great, I believe. Um, I know other countries don't like us when we say that. You know, you Americans are arrogant. It's like, yeah, 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 and, and many of us are. Um, but it is the greatest country on God's green earth, and, and that's just the way that it is. We have more freedoms, more, um, uh, more things, and God has blessed us, uh, you know, financially in ways that we can never imagine. The poorest of the Americans live five times richer than the poorest of the rest of the world. At least they're five times wealthier. Um, poor people in other countries, they live in huts made out of sticks and stones and whatever they can find. Our people at least have a place to live for the most part. So we are a blessed country and we remember those who gave their life so that we can have it. But more importantly, it is also the day of Pentecost. It's another day to celebrate, another thing to remember. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's just God's timing to bring these two things together, to remember those who've given their lives, but also to remember to the one who gave his one and only life. And he did so vicariously. He did so in, place, in our place. He took our place. And he gave his life on the cross because that's what his, that's what his whole uh, mission was, was to come and die for the sin of the world. And we're going to go into his, we're going to be uh, reading some places where, where he reminded his, his uh, disciples. And the reason that uh, I want to spend a little bit of time with uh, the whole idea of Pentecost, because it's the day of Pentecost. It's the day when the Holy Spirit came, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus had commanded his uh, people to go into Jerusalem, stay there, and to wait. If you're anything like me, your waiting is not a you know, thing that you like. Some people wait worse than I do. <laughs> they hate waiting. <clears throat> and sometimes we try to push God. And we'll have a little example of that. We try to get ahead of God's agenda and we try to put the cart before the horse. And that happened in history. <clears throat> but it is the day of Pentecost. It's the day the Holy Spirit filled the people of the church, and began to do the work that, that uh, and bring a light to this dark world. Not only did he bring light, he brought life to the world, and he brought hope into the world. The first time in history on the day of Pentecost when the entire world could finally have hope of sin forgiven. It was the first time Christ had already died, He'd already been buried and he'd already been risen again because Christ is risen. Truly is risen. Let's do that again. Christ is risen. Truly is risen. Amen. So he had, he had rose and he had come and, and he, uh, on, and I love this portion in Scripture and in, in, in Acts where we're going to read, where he's ascended and they got to watch. I'm envious of those guys getting to watch that. We get to see him descend in the clouds one day. That's going to be an awesome thing if we're still here. And for those of us who will be, then that's going to be awesome. I mean, imagine that day. Think about it. The majesty of Almighty God coming down in the clouds, but not by himself. There's going to be a myriad of those who have gone before us. 
and all of those things that are going to take place. Um, Pentecost was the day that awoken the world to the hope of God. Finally, all the Old Testament stuff had been fulfilled for the most part, and there was, now there was hope. There was a moment where people could look to this one person, and a lot of the world just shoves it away. They don't care. They don't want to hear. But there are those who are broken, who are hurting, who are lost and know they're lost and don't want to be lost, that want to hear the hope of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. They are the ones who want to uh, um, enjoy that, and, and they don't even know yet. Um, so with all that being said, I, I want to open up in prayer, and then I want to um, read uh, through some of Acts. And uh, we're going to read in Matthew and in Mark some of the things that Jesus said before this day. Um, so we want to remember all of those things. And remember that it's also, it's not just a memorial, it's also... It's a day of celebration. And I want to begin with asking a question. Are you filled with the Spirit? And do you know that? Do you believe that? Because that's what He came to do. He came to fill us. The Bible tells us that we're not looking for temples, but in each and every one of you who are born again, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. And He is there to guide us and to lead us. And most importantly, to keep our minds and hearts focused on Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. So let's pray and then we'll get into some of, these, uh, um, some of these stories here. Father, how we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. Lord, we do thank You for those... Um, those service members who have given their lives, who knowingly went in and run into danger for the sake of their families and their loved ones, for the sake of their mamas and their, their papas, for the sake of their um, mimas and peepaws, for the sake of their children, their spouses, their cherished ones, and for the sake of the country. Lord, how we thank you for them those who were willing to fight. Otherwise, we'd be speaking different languages and, and who knows what. This country was founded by people who gave their lives so that we can have freedom. And the biggest freedom that they fought for was the freedom to worship you, to know you, to seek you. And only you can fulfill that in us and nothing else can. And so we thank you, Lord. We pray for their families, Lord, that they remember for those who have lost um, their members just recently and all the tragic uh, things that happen around the world. And Father, we pray that you would comfort them. Comfort them in their loss. Comfort them in their mourning and in their grieving and help them. And Lord, I pray that you would just grant us repentance as a nation. Convict us of our sins and help us, Lord, that we would confess it as a nation. And remove from us the blot of all the ungodless and lawless deeds that are being unfolded before our eyes, even now. Where good is called evil, and evil is called good. Where right is called wrong, and wrong is called good. Lord, 
we're just in a need of you. We always need you. And so we pray, Father, that you would just move on our nation in a way that um, perhaps we've never known so that you would be glorified, so that your name would be heralded, so that the gospel would be the principal message, the good news that a Savior has come and that He can forgive and that He does forgive and that Your Holy Spirit fills us and leads us and guides us. Lord, we thank You, we praise You, we bless You in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So the day of Pentecost was a day that is historical in the church. And it's, it's an important day. And sometimes as Christians, we forget to, to uh, um, celebrate it. I saw a lot of surprised voices. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, when I said it's, it's also Pentecost, sometimes we forget about that. Because it was, it was part of the Old Testament. It was part of the, uh, the feasts that they would have. And... Um, so the wave, you know, part of it was, uh, as we're going through Leviticus, the wave offering had been offered and uh, nationally, and, and then uh, Pentecost had come. And in this time, um, the Holy Spirit hadn't come in the power that He was supposed to. Jesus was foretelling to His disciples about this event that was going to take place before His crucifixion. And they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't understand it. And it's really strange for us to think about that when you think, because um, how many of us honestly have said, man, I, if I was there, I would have believed. If I was there, I would have understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I've been there. I'm like, how could they not see this? This is so obvious. But there was something missing. There was something that they didn't have. There was something that was absent in their lives. It wasn't something that they purposely were doing or purposely staying away from. It's just that God hadn't moved in, in the way that He had. And here you have the creator of the universe in accordance with what we see in John chapter 1, Colossians 2, Philippians, that tells us that Jesus was clothed in deity and that He was the one who came incarnate. And that he became a man so that he could pay that price that none of us could pay. And, and here we have this person who is holy. He's the only person on the face of the earth in all of history till the end of time who will ever be holy. Nobody else will be. Um, the Roman Catholics, they have their Pope, and they call him Holy Father. Sorry, that title belongs to one Holy Father, and he's the only one that I would call Holy Father. And it doesn't belong to some man in some place in Italy. No thank you. And you have this person of Christ Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, and the importance of who he was. He came and he was preaching. How did he open up his ministry? Do we remember? What were the words that he used as he began his ministry? Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was in the midst of a crowd, not just a small crowd, it was a pretty big crowd. And so what he's doing, what he's doing in proclaiming that, he's indicting them. 
he's professing to them that they're in need of repentance. And that's how he begins. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he has these guys who are unqualified, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're all these different guys that we read about who all of a sudden are drawn to this itinerant preacher who's telling them of things that are written in the Old Testament and he's proclaiming to them the gospel, the the good news. And the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet because there was still something that needed to be done. I want to read from Matthew chapter 16. They've been together for quite some time, and and this, if you can remember, around the time of uh, Resurrection Day, I was reading some of these passages and and reminding you that, that Jesus had been telling them all along what was going to take place. And he said, this is what I've come for, this is what has to happen. So in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23... Um, they're headed to Jerusalem. And it's written as uh, following. It says this. It says, From, the time, from that time, because some things had taken place, um, the transfiguration was yet to come. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests, His brothers, if you will, His fellow Jews. Um, and the scribes, and be killed. And here's the good part. Spoiler alert. And be raised on the third day. He was going to, he was telling them, this is what's going to happen, guys. And they were like, it just went right over their heads. They didn't hear it. They heard it, but they didn't hear it. They couldn't grasp it. And why is that? Well, there was something absent. And it says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine? The Lord of the universe is saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I've got to be killed. And I've got to suffer all these things by these people who should be showing you who I am. And they're the ones who are going to do this. And this Peter, this fisherman says to the Lord of glory, God forbid it, Lord. Imagine that. You're speaking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And let's not pick on Peter too bad. I mean, he was missing something, right? We would have done the same thing. Yeah. We would have been all doing the same thing. No way. This is not going to happen. Because we would have the mindset of the world and the things around us. And he says, this shall never happen to you. This is just another one of the places where Peter was wrong. Um, Peter, you know, thinking he was doing the right thing and stepping in and protecting and showing his bravery and showing some other stuff. And he... uh, But he turned to Peter, Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. And see, that's how you and I would, for the most part, be. You know? We would all be like that. We'd be setting our minds on the things about man's business. 
Sometimes we get caught up too, too much in that. If we watch too much TV, we'll get caught up in that. If we watch too much internet news stuff, we can get caught up in that. And it can blind us. We need to keep our minds on the things above. Um, and Jesus set him straight. He didn't hold back. He didn't hold back any punches. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, that's a punch to the gut. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Um, and that seemed to go right over his head too. It didn't seem to catch his attention. So you have this, this that Jesus is telling uh, there in, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. In Mark 10, you have the same, basically the same event uh, uh, counted as for us. Mark 10, verses 32 through 34. It says, this is what it says in Mark for us, what it, what it has. It says, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them. So apparently there was more than just the twelve that was following. Um, because he says it took the twelve aside, and they began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, Behold... We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests, the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Then he goes into further more detail here, from, as Mark records for us. They will mock him, and spit on him, and scourge him. Those things are the things we deserve. That's what we deserve. We deserve to be spit on, mocked at, and scourged. But he's going to take, his, take our place in doing so. He says, and ultimately they're going to kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. So he's going stalwart, his face set like, set like flint. In Luke 18, 31, 33, 31 through 33, it says this. Again, that's Luke 18, 31 through 33, same event. And he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets, he adds another detail. He says, not only is this going to happen, this is written in the prophets. What did the prophets write? The Old Testament. He's saying everything that that book contains predicts this so that they would know later on. He says, we're going to, to Jerusalem and all the things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man, which was his claim, that he was the Son of Man, will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. The third day he will rise again. Hallelujah. That's the good news. He's risen. Truly, he is risen. So on the day of Pentecost, Jesus, uh, um, I want to read from Matthew 28. Um, we're familiar with this, but Jesus has been resurrected. The crucifixion has taken place. Um, Jesus has now arisen, and now he's having an audience with the disciples. And here he is uh, mentioning to them and commanding them what they are to do. And I want to start with, um, let's see, let's start with verse 9 of chapter 28. 
of Matthew. He says, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take the word to my brethren to uh, leave for Galilee, and they, there they shall see me. So this was the women who met him, and notice what they did. They fell at his feet and they worshipped him. Who can receive worship? Only God. Only God. And notice he doesn't stop them. The word there is proskuneo in the Greek. It's to lay prostrate before him. They fell before him and worshipped. Once he made himself known to them. That's what Jesus does. When he makes himself known to people, they worship him. Because he makes himself known as who he is, God Almighty. And here, they've done this, and then it says in verse 11, And, they, and now while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. Talking about the tomb and all the events that took place there. And I'd love to talk to those guards. That would be a, a pretty interesting conversation. What took place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when they had assembled, they, the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping, asleep. What is, what is that? Yeah, it's, it's a conspiracy. Yeah, that's exactly right. They conspired. Yeah, and why? There's no body. To this day, there still isn't a body. There is a body, but it's not here on earth. It's there in heaven. So they were conspiring to hide the fact that, hey, this guy, they stole his body. And... You know, when you think about Christianity, it could have been destroyed very easily. All you had to do was produce the body. That's all you had to do. And it's over. It's over. Right? But there is no body, not here on earth anyways. And there is an empty tomb, though. And what did the angel say when they came and he was resurrected? Hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I kind of, kind of you know, get that Italian feel. When I, when I think about that. Why are you looking for the living among the dead, huh? Doesn't make sense. He told you. Told you he was going to raise again. Were you not listening? I don't get it. But he appears to them. They have to make up this story about Jesus that somebody stole his body. Um, and then it says, um, and it says that this is a story that you're to tell. His disciples came and st stole the body. Um, excuse me, are you not Roman guards? Do you not have weapons and spears and the like? Is, 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 isn't your life on the line if this actually took place? They were the best trained <laughs> yeah. soldiers yeah. in the world. Yeah. Special forces. It's, yeah, it's like uh, some fishermen and some you know, tax collectors. And they're going to come and steal it while you're asleep? Come on. Who's going to believe that, really? I mean, and then it says, and if this would, uh, should come to the governor's ears, we will, wink, wink, win him over and keep you out of trouble. It's like, I'm sure you will. 
Um, and they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews, and it is to this day. And here's where I want to focus on a little bit better, uh, more. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee. So now they're being obedient. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them, what the message was. They still don't get it, but they're at least being obedient. So they go to the mountain which Jesus had de designated, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. Proskuneo. So you have the women who worshipped him when they encountered him. Now you have these disciples. They worshipped him. And notice Jesus is not saying, don't do that. He's accepting of the worship. You can worship Jesus. You can pray to Jesus. You can pray in His name. Because it's proper. And they worshipped Him. They worshipped this risen Christ. When they saw Him, they worshipped, but some were doubtful. So they worshipped in doubt. How many of us worship in doubt sometimes? How many times do we pray in doubt? But we just pray just in case. And then later on we have to repent. Like, oh, Lord, uh, forgive me of my doubtfulness. Forgive me of my unbelief. Help me. Help me in my unbelief. And then Jesus came up in verse 18 and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All. Where? In heaven and on earth. How could he have all authority in heaven if he isn't God? Right? What does God say about himself where we're at in Isaiah? What did he say? I will share my glory with no one. Interesting. Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is promising that there's something that's going to come. But in the meantime, go. You're to go and make disciples of all the nations. So this is to go forth. This message is to go forth. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, you're to baptize people and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And he says, these are some of the greatest words of encouragement. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, I'm the ever-living one. I can't die. I died once. I ain't dying again. That's done. And I'm going to be with you. And the important thing is in John, he shares with, when he sends his spirit, he's not just going to send his spirit, and it's not just his spirit, his Holy Spirit that's going to live within us. It's going to be Jesus present in us. And it's going to be the Father present in us. I don't understand that. It's beyond my ability to think and understand. I just know that's what Jesus said. And you know what I know about Jesus? Jesus don't lie. He speaks straightforward, and He just says it as it is. And this is the promise that He has for all His believers, for all of those who He's regenerated and brought forth. So in Acts chapter 1, um, as Luke is writing the, the book of Acts, he's writing to ex, um, excellent Theophilus, and um, 
He says, I want to begin here in Acts chapter 1, because it's an important part of the story. Um, he says in, in chapter 1, verse 3, and says, To these he also presented himself. Um, well, let's start in chapter 2. Uh, we'll just start from the very first. The first account I composed, Theophilus, all, um, in verse 1, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So the entire book of Acts is really about Jesus. It's about the Acts of the Apostles, but as he's writing here, this is all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, and after he had, uh, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, a couple important things there, he had done those things through the Holy Spirit and the apostles whom he had chosen, handpicked. At this point, there's 11, and that's an important detail. He says, to these, those whom he had chosen, he also uh, presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So after his resurrection, he's making himself known. He's presenting himself to, the, to his disciples, right? So he's not hiding away in some weird place. And as Jesus forewarned, he said, if somebody comes and say, hey, Come and check out this secret place. Jesus is over here. Jesus said, no, don't go after them. Why? Because there's going to be many who claim that. Jesus was plainly just showing himself to them at different places and in different times, as Luke writes here, in many convincing proofs, appearing to them over 40 days. So it wasn't just a one-time deal. It's over 40 days, okay? And verse 4, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. So there's the, second, the first person of the, of the Trinity, Jesus being the second person. The Father is the first person. The Son is the second person. So the Son is speaking of the Father in this command, and he says, there's something that the Father has promised, and it's going to come. Here's what you have to do. He says, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the day of Pentecost that was yet to come. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? What is their mindset on? The things of man. Yeah. What's going on in the world? Hey, when are we going to be in power? When are we going to get to, you know, give people our up and coming, their up and coming? Yeah. They're still thinking about that. There's still something missing. And that's an important thing to understand. There's something that is not yet resolved in their minds because it can't be. Because they're still in their natural state, right? And they said, they asked, are you, when are you going to, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed for His own authority, by His own authority. But you shall receive power. This is the Greek word dynamos. The Greek word dynamos is where we get the word dynamite, dynamo, dynamic. It's the word that implies that it's going to be an explosive power. Again I ask, do you have the Holy Spirit? 
It's an important thing. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. Remember, they're at a mountain, and he's telling them these things. And then all of a sudden, these clouds come really low and surround him. And this is what the account that we're given here. He was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing. Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. So they're looking, and all of a sudden, whoa, there's, there's a couple guys. And it's, they just show up. This isn't a natural thing. This is all supernatural things that are going on. Um, and the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. But yet it's supernatural. And they were gazing intently into the sky... I picture them with their mouths open, just gawking. And then all of a sudden, there's these guys right there. And they begin speaking. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? They're like, Don't you get it yet? Don't you guys understand? Why are you, don't you know who this is? It sounds like that's what kind of the implication here. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way. So he's going to come in the clouds. So one day when Jesus comes, he's going to come in the clouds. And guess what? It's going to be visible. We're going to get to see it. Man, it's going to be an amazing thing. Thank God for technology. Because we'll get to see it online. We'll get to see it in real time. Yeah. It's going to be amazing, yeah. It's just mind-blowing. He says, the same way, he's going to come. He's going to come again. Just as you, and, and by the way, in history, we don't have any accounts of this happening. So when people say that they believe that all of this stuff has already taken place, mm, sorry. It didn't yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen invisible. It didn't happen spiritually. It just hasn't happened. Because they said, in the same way. He's going to come physical. He's going to come in a body. And he's going to come in power. And he's going to come not as a lamb. He's coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's going to set all things right. And he's going to gather his bride unto himself. Hallelujah. And then he says... Um, that uh, just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. I want to jump down to verse 15. <clears throat> and this is one of those events. Holy Spirit has not come yet. Um, Peter is with the rest of the people. They're up in a, in a room. And notice the, the size here. Um, I think, if I can remember right, I think we have 125 seats. I think. So... That's kind of an important thing because I want you to, to, to look at this. At this time, Peter stood up in verse 15, um, in the midst of the brethren, and a gathering of about 120 persons was there. So imagine this many people, almost, minus five, being in one room. So it's not a small room. If it was, it, was, it would be pretty crowded. So it's a pretty good-sized room. This gives us an idea of 
You know, but, you know, they didn't sit in chairs like we do, so it would have been a little bit different. But imagine 120 people gathered. What are they doing? They're waiting. Um, they're, they're sitting there waiting, and then Jesus, or excuse me, Peter stood, stands up. In the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, Brethren, the scripture had, had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us, and we received his portion in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open into the middle, uh, and uh, all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language, the field is called Hekeldamah. Hekeldamah. Um, that is the field of blood. So for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Um, and they know what happened to him. And so Peter goes on and he says in verse 24, It is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no man dwell in it. And his office let another man take. He combines two different portions of Psalms and brings it together and says and applies it to Judas. Now, the question that I have is, was this by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or was this Peter just speaking, thinking, hey, we need to do something? And I have to wonder, I kind of lean towards the latter. I think it's Peter wanting, thinking that, hey, we got to do something. Because oftentimes we, we think that we have to do something for God, right? we got to do something for God. Poor little God, he has so much trouble getting things done. Yeah. And so here you have this. But remember, the Holy Spirit has not come yet. He doesn't have that dynamis yet. And that's an important thing. So he, he proclaims this and he says in verse 21, It is therefore necessary that the men who have accompanied us um, all the time that the Lord was, went in and among us, so from the beginning of the proclamation, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, there were some disciples that followed him all the way through this time. They were there. So part of those 120 people, there were men there that were there the whole time. Um, they were diligent to continue in, in this preacher's message. And then he says in verse 22, Beginning with the baptism of John, until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these should become a witness with us um, of his resurrection. So he's saying, man, we lost one guy. Let's put another guy in his place. That's all he's doing. Yeah, yeah. We've got to fill the, fill the spot. There was 12 of us, so now there needs to be 12 of us again. Um, who knows exactly what he was thinking, but that's part of it. I think it's putting the cart before the horse. And, uh, and they put forward two men. So apparently Joseph, called Baras, Barasabas, and, um, who is called Justice, they got a lot of names, um, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, knowest the hearts of all men, Show which one of these two thou hast chosen to occupy the, this ministry and apostleship for which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. 
And then God answered miraculously in a miraculous way. They drew lots. <laughs> That's called gambling, I think. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they didn't wait to hear from God uh, because they decided to, here, whoever picks a short straw, he's the guy. That's how God's going to answer us. And it's not like God couldn't answer that way. I'm not, I'm not poking fun at them like that. But the reason I wanted to read this is because the Holy Spirit hadn't come. And sometimes we work apart from the Holy Spirit because we have these ideas that come into our heads. We have to be careful. We always have to be asking. Um, and I think every day in prayer we should be asking, God, please fill me with the Spirit today. Keep me filled and guide me and lead me. Because I'm a sheep and I go astray a lot. And I need you. And I think this is before the Holy Spirit has come, but now in, in chapter 2, which um, says that they, they drew lots for them, or excuse me, the, uh, verse 26, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. We basically have no history of Matthias. We never hear from him again. We don't. That's why I conclude that this was just Peter thinking he just had to do something. Because this is who Peter is. I got to be doing something. And then in chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in the one place. So presumably 120. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind. And lately we've had a lot of that wind. You know, I keep coming into the yard and seeing, because of that construction over there, trash all over the yard, and I have to pick it up every, every time I come over here. Frustrating. And it's just this wind, this violent wind, a rushing wind. You know, the, uh, your uh, uh, people that are, that, that are there in uh, the Philippines, you know, people in Guam, they just experienced some violent wind, right? That kind of a wind, it was just all of a sudden. Was it wind or was it like? Well, it says there came a, a noise like a violent rushing wind. So it was like it. Don't know if it was an actual physical wind, but we know that it was like that. And the other, with, uh, excuse me, and they rested, um, excuse me, I lost my place. Oh, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So whatever this violent rushing wind thing was, it fills the whole house. It's evident to them. It's palpable. They, they can sense that it's going on. It's real. But it's not an it, it's a him. He has come, the promised one, the second promised one. Jesus was the first promised one. The Holy Spirit is the second promised one. And he comes amongst them and it says, And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves. So imagine... This big thing that looks like fire, all of a sudden it starts distributing to the 120 people that are there. That would be a pretty wild scene. You're sitting there just waiting and this violent thing happens and all of a sudden there's this manifestation of this flame-like thing and then all of a sudden it's shooting like sparks 
only tongues of flame. And they're resting on the people. Look, it says they rested on each one of them. So was it just sitting there and they're looking at each other with this thing wagging back and forth? I mean, I, I can't imagine what was going on. It'd be wild. It's amazing. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I would love to have a picture or video of that and see their faces. As they began speaking, like, what is going on? It'd be like me all of a sudden speaking in Russian to y'all. And y'all understand it. The look on our faces would be bizarre. I mean, we'd be like, what? Something amazing was happening. And it says, now there were Jews. Um, they began speaking with other tongues and spirit and, and was giving them utterance. So important thing, it was the Holy Spirit giving them utterances. They weren't conjuring up utterances. I've been to churches in the past where people have a service and they'll have people come up afterwards and they'll try to have them conjure up something. Just start, just start mumbling. It's like, no, that's not what it says. He gives utterance. He's the one who does this. And it's not just babble. It's not just Kamanawana Honda. It's not just that. It's literal language here that is being spoken of. How do we know? Verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, um, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were, be were bewildered. So it wasn't just evident in the place where the 120 were. It was evident around them. And the people came, what's going on over here? There's something happening. You know how you want to see a, a train wreck. You don't want to see it, but you have to go see it. It was that kind of a deal. They're like, what's going on over here, man? Let's go check this out. Um, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. That's what was going on. They were speaking. And what were they speaking? The, the people were, were, were hearing their language. They're from all different parts of the world. Like, wait, there's other people like us here? What the heck? What's going on? They're amazed. And then it says, and, when, um, and they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, why is this possible? Why is this happening? They're Galileans. They don't know how to speak Parthian. They don't know how to, how to, how to speak Roman. They don't know how to speak Libyan. What's going on here? Remember what Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. One of the things that I want to clear up when you have discussions with people, especially in t today's culture out, out there, um, when it comes to Christianity, Christianity is not a European religion. It was in Africa way before it ever got to the European nations. And why is that important? Because of a lie that universities teach, that Christianity is a white European religion. It's a lie. It's a flat-out lie. 
but a lot of people believe it. The Holy Spirit was there in Jerusalem in the Middle East, and this was going to spread through the Middle East and into Africa first. The Ethiopian Bible is way older than the King James Bible, as an example. So when people give you that lie that Christianity is just a white European religion, tell them, you don't know history. Let me give you a little, let me give you some teaching here. Let me put up my, my little uh, um, white marker board and, and kind of explain to you something. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it, it began to spread here. And this is how it got to part of the, these other countries. This is where the church was begun, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he didn't just come to start a religion, he came to fill his people. He came to fill all who would come to him. And he still does that today. He fills us. When we become born again, the Holy Spirit fills us. And he makes us new. And he gives us power. I know because whenever I used to read this, and I know people today that read this and cannot grasp it, but then all of a sudden it begins to make sense, but only after they've been regenerated and baptized, and then they begin to see. I could never understand this before. All of a sudden it makes sense. And they get excited, and that's good. Because it's this kind of a thing that's happening. And so they're listening to these things in all their languages, and they were amazed and marveled. And why are not all these who are here speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them, in verse 8, in our own language to which we were born? So they're hearing this message, and what is the message that's being given? Well, we're going to find out. Who were there? What countries were uh, represented? The Parthians? The Medes? We're reading about, we read about that with Cyrus. Okay? The Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. And Asia covers a big area. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Wait, Cretans can be seized? You bet. Cretans can be saved. And, and Arabs. So it was in Arabia long before it made it to Europe, right? We hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing that there is a God. There's a creator. And he made all things. And he prophesied that all of these things would take place. It would be awesome to be able to, to be in the midst of all that. If we were there in that time, if we were somehow able to transport our time or ourselves back in time, we would hear it in English because that's what we speak. Or maybe some of us would hear it in Spanish because that's what some of us can speak, right? Some of us can speak a little bit of German. We might hear it in that. The point is the gospel is for everyone everywhere. Amen? It's for all people. It's not just for one people. It's for all people everywhere. And the gospel is our only hope. And then they all continued in amazement, 
Because they're hearing the mighty deeds of God. They're amazed. They're blown away. Would you be amazed if all that kind of stuff happened? It would be amazing. You'd be blown away. You wouldn't be able to sleep. But when morning comes, you wouldn't be tired. You'd still be all excited. You'd be on such an adrenaline rush, it'd be crazy. And then he says, And they all continued in amazement and were a great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? What do I make of this? What should I think about this? What's going on? What's happening? But others were mocking and saying, Ah, they're full of sweet wine. The point of this is that it is Pentecost, and the thing that we're to remember the most is Jesus. The cross. The burial and the resurrection. The mighty deeds of God. That is the mighty deeds. He came and took our sin upon Himself so that we could be set free. Set free for what? Well, now I can go live my best life now. No. Set free to preach the gospel to the lost. Somebody preached the gospel to each one of us, no matter what the setting was. And it was God who regenerated us to understand. And He caused us to come to life. He gave us ears to hear with, and eyes to see with, and a mind to understand, and a heart that He grasped hold and tore out. A heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. That's what He does. He makes us new. And on this Memorial Day, on this day of Pentecost, this double, we get a double portion. We get to celebrate two things, not just one. And then next week we get to celebrate again. That's the wonder of God. Those are the mighty deeds of God. You know, in, um, in, in passing, in Isaiah, if you remember, I think it was uh, Isaiah 26 when we were there about the feast that was going on. And it's quite a feast. God loves His feast. He loves to feed His people. He loves to feed His people. Jesus, when He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, He loves to feed His people. He loves to feed His sheep. And He does so. And the message is that Jesus gave His life This is the day to memorialize that great and final sacrifice that Jesus provided. And we should celebrate. We should be excited about that. This is the greatest act of heroism that has ever been performed on the face of the earth and that ever will be. No other act of heroism will ever even come close. Jesus, the God-man, He gave His life. He laid it down for His chosen people, for His elect, for those who He eternally chose to forgive. And I want you to remember that, that yes, confess our sins. Yes, go before God. Yes, do all those things. Live a life that is filled with passion and love and grace, but also filled with the desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually, to walk in the newness of life, to share that message of hope with others around us. 
That is what we're to remember, that Jesus died and He eternally chose to forgive. He eternally chose to redeem. And He eternally chose to regenerate lost, sinful people like us. We should remember Him and thank Him continually. Thank God for those people who gave who have died for our freedoms. But also remember Him above all things because He's worthy and because He has given His life, but He's not dead. He's in His rightful place at the right hand of God. One day He will return. And that's what we should remember most is that He is the one who has done all these things. And He's glorious to worship. We should learn that word proskuneo and find some time, sometime today to really truly worship Him. Just you and Him alone and worship Him. Let's pray. Father, how we thank You for Your goodness and grace and mercy. Thank You for Your kindness, for Your glory. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. If it weren't for Him, we'd never know You. If it wasn't for your Holy Spirit and for you granting us a spirit of repentance, we wouldn't know hope. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, for doing what you did, for taking the mockery, for taking the spitting upon the scourging and all those things. And ultimately that cross, that cruel cross. But what a beautiful cross it is. There you bled for us. Your love flowed in crimson streams. Thank you. Thank you that we can remember that. That we can memorialize that. Help us to keep that in the forefront of our minds always. And change people's hearts. Draw them to yourself as only you can and make them new to give this message and hope to others. What a glorious God that you are. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We bless you. And we love you because you first loved us and you demonstrated that love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a great God that you are. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.